Hello and welcome to So Divine. I'm Megan Skinner. And I'm Stephanie Galing. And this is our monthly astrology and tarot podcast where we take a look at the celestial landscape, what's happening in the stars. We pick a tarot card to fit the vibe, all with an eye towards inspiration and helping you to lead a more conscious life. So hello, Stephanie. Hi, Megan. How are you? So nice to be meeting up with you as we spring into March pun intended. (laughs) For those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, we have spring starting on the equinox on the 20th. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about one of our star players this month, Venus. We've been talking a lot about Venus. and, um, And part of that is because Venus has been in Capricorn for, well, for, for how long, Stephanie? Mm, forever? No. <laughs> Seemingly forever. I mean, Capricorn's a very dedicated, slow sign, but yet still. I mean, Venus usually spends four weeks in a sign, so one month in a sign. But owing to its recent retrograde, Venus will have spent four months in a sign. Yeah. So four times longer than usual. So that's a long, long time, extended time. Yeah, go Sorry. Yeah, and I think that you know. So we'll we'll talk a little bit in a minute about Venus moving into Aquarius along with her partner uh, Mars. But let's talk a little bit about Venus's last hurrah, her last dance here in Capricorn, because actually before she leaves, she meets up with the planet Pluto. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that because that's kind of an explosive ending (laughs) to her run with Pluto in the mix here. Oh my God, it certainly is. Like, what do we call it? Like this, her swan song. Like the last one that she's meeting up with is like Pluto, (laughs) like the planet of, you know, we could sort of speak of like transformation and honesty and making it real. But Pluto is so intense, right? It like tears things down or it can tear things down. And, you know, as we're you know, living through this world recently, like there's sort of this elevation, it feels like, of those Plutonian energies. But, you know, Venus is, this is not the first time recently that Venus connected with Pluto, right? Because of the retrograde, she did it twice in December. So I almost feel like, and you and I have talked about this a lot, like what lessons have we each experienced from December where we have really taken a hard, fast, honest look our relationships, of our value, of our our alliance, our relationship with money, mm. you know, and really yeah. like sort of no holds barred, like unearthed truth, unearthed secrets, unearthed our true feelings when it comes to the Venusian realm. So it feels like there is a revisiting of that. And maybe there's in that revisiting, there's some sort of like conclusion. Like I've been thinking about this and doing this for months now, like what is finally coming to bear in your conscious mind that was sort of just maybe hiding below the surface in your unconscious mind related to this for a a while. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that, you know, all this unearthing is just so Pluto. And, you know, when I think about this, uh, the word that comes to mind is resourcefulness. 
You know, I think that one of the things that I've been learning with Pluto and that very resourceful Capricorn, you know, one step at a time, get to the top of the mountain about really looking at perhaps how can I cut away a little bit of the fat? How can I, you know, really kind of, you know, streamline some of my activities? I've really, you know, actually taken the opportunity to take a little bit deeper look at my finances and what's what that all means. And I do feel like during this period, I have become more resourceful. And I think that's very Venus and Capricorn. I completely agree, right? And we've talked about that too, right? Venus and Capricorn, about resourcefulness, also about playing the long game, Mm. right? Like, yeah, you know, this whole notion, it's like, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Like, how can we feel ourselves in a sense of progress and movement without having to go to immediacy, right? Mm, But we can really like dig into our resourcefulness to say, this is what I really want. Like it may not happen tomorrow, but what steps can I take to feel really entrenched in that deep commitment so that I can work towards those those goals that are not just like slapping some wallpaper on the um <laughs> on the wall but like really like um what what it was what am I trying to say like really change things for us on that root level yeah it's structural you know i think it's like structural. what you're talking about it's like really big it's not like you know no bells and whistles here you know it's really kind of getting to you know the meat and potatoes now i do have to say you know <laughs> i was waiting for you to say <laughs> wait, wait, wait. and <laughs> you know Also, what I think about with Pluto and Venus, especially on around the third when this is happening, is this could affect the financial markets to some degree. You know, Venus finances Pluto is like a bit of an eruption and, you know, the collective shadow getting stripped away. So we certainly don't predict and astrology is not about prediction. It's just looking at what the energies are. But I'm kind of thinking, wow, you know, not only our personal finances, but what this could mean collectively. Absolutely. And the intensity of this union of Venus and Pluto, and the magnif- it's like magnified even more because on that very day, not just as Venus meets Pluto, <laughs> but Mars meets Pluto. Yes. So there is this sense of real strong sense of like will to power, right? Mm. And like fighting or that sense of amplification. There is like volcanic and explosive. And so it feels like, and we're already sort of feeling that in the world, you know, and again, not predicting, but it just feels like high level of intensity. And, you know, we talk a lot about like, but what can you do about that in your Mm -hmm. own world, right? Like it starts at home. So what do you think are some of the good ways to use that day? Like, and around that day, like Venus and Pluto, Mars and Pluto, like what could each of us do for ourselves? Well, I think it's really important that we, you know, we really look at those trigger points, you know what I mean? And, you know, Mars is the God of war. And, you know, a lot of times when we have that warring warrior energy, you know, um, I think we all have to like really work at being a little bit more grounded. And we've talked about this before about being mindful. I also think when about those triggers, I think it could be around fear. You know, what are those deepest fears? It could bring up issues around survival, you know, all of that kind of energy. Pluto sometimes gives us this feeling of being annihilated, you know, when ultimately it is this opportunity, wink, wink, to um, (laughs) really dig in and look at where am I being triggered? 
Yeah, completely. You know, marrying all the things that you said, right? The fear plus the resourcefulness. And it would Mm. feel, of course, like if we're feeling those like really deeply entrenched fears of annihilation or survival or our concern for the survival of others or other structures that we believe in, right? But then how do we turn maybe to our resourcefulness and say, okay, well, what in here can I do? You know, what, you know, how can I dig in? You know, where are my assets and not just financial in terms of like feeling a greater sense of security for myself or like how I can contribute to others. And, you know, I think too that sense with also getting to what you said about warring, like maybe it's a good opportunity to see like, where do I, where am I always at war with myself? Mm, You know, maybe that's a way, because again, if we even just look, you know, archetypally, if about the war, like what is that reflecting to us internally and how can we like call ourselves out on wars that should not happen internally with ourselves and like lay down our proverbial arms with ourselves and have more compassion? Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I think that that that's such a powerful reminder. And also just to know that if things are chaotic or getting broken apart is to kind of maybe go with that to some degree. You know, Pluto, death, rebirth, transformation is being willing to let go of what's no longer working. You know, the other thing that's, I think, about Mars to some degree, and maybe this is a little of the shadow energy of Mars is anger. And I just feel like there's so much collective anger out there right now. You just see it driving down the street. And I think we're all feeling overwhelmed and maybe not empowered or in control. And to maybe really be aware of that anger. And, you know, oftentimes what they say is anger can be a cover-up of something a little bit deeper, like grief or sadness, or maybe just admitting to yourself, you know what? I'm not feeling really in control. You know, where can I find that sense of inner security with myself, whether it's reaching out to a friend or a colleague or a therapist or, you know, your spiritual realm is just to like really be aware of that. I think that's so important. And I would say, I mean, I know I'm going to do this and anybody else can join along, you know, it's just that sense of around those days to be really conscious of what's triggering me or conscious of my anger. And if I'm also feeling like, you know, really elevated just to like, you know, say no to certain things, you know, or or excuse myself from certain situations, (laughs) you know, whether it's because of my volatility or that sort of streaming through others. So I do think that it's really important to be as honest and aware and conscious. And like you said, like move that, but, um, you know, also bring your ally compassion with you. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Your ally compassion. Yes. Okay. So let's, let's lighten the load a little bit here. <laughs> Can we? Can we? Yes, indeed. Because um, a couple of days later on March the 6th, then we do have Venus and Mars both moving into the sign of Aquarius. <sighs> collective (laughs) sigh of relief. So let's talk about this. As you know, Aquarius, of course, is very different vibrationally than Capricorn. And so to have both Venus and Mars, uh, you know, our lovers of of the planets together in Aquarius, let's talk a little bit about what that's going to feel like. And again, I think we're going to feel a little bit of a lightning. 
For sure. Yeah. And it's interesting because when they do that, they both like walk across the threshold, like hand <laughs> in hand of like Capricorn to Aquarius and they come together. And well, they actually came together in mid-February, but they were in Capricorn. Very right. different. Right. right. So how can, you know, Venus, what I love, what I find beautiful and Mars, what I desire and what turns <laughs> me on, you know, in Aquarius, which is related to technology and networked, the collective and community, you know, maybe also looking at our infrastructures of what mm. connects us and infrastructure of what connects us could be anything from, you know, systems and the internet and all of that, whether that might be big news or the infrastructure of what connects me to my friends and my allies mm. and my families, like really seeing how that can be supported. And it feels like a real good day to like, that you know, what is that song from the eighties? Like we are the world. Like every time yeah, something's yeah. in Aquarius, I'm like, it's that like the band aid, you know, that group like coming together and like mm. really hailing like the hallowed sense of community of like mm. worldwide unity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love that you're bringing up the the community aspect, Aquarius. You know, it's like we're all in this together. You know, and I think in these times where there's, you know, so much kind of breaking apart and those structures are not exactly what they used to be, is to really look to community um, and just see what support that can be there for us and sharing our resources um, together. That feels so Aquarian. The other thing that, you know, when I think about Aquarius, I always think big picture. You know, we've been in the trenches with Capricorn, nose to the grindstone. and now we're at like, <laughs> yes. And so now we're in that, you know, the lightness of being and big picture, time to think about our vision, time to think about our future. And I'm also feeling like with this Venus and Mars and Aquarius, we're going to start to see maybe a little bit more of this innovation we've been talking about with planet, you know, when Saturn went into Aquarius and the age of Aquarius. I'm hoping for some of that, some of this new innovation in technology or in energy. It'll be interesting to see kind of what happens with that. Yeah, I think that that's brilliant. That's such a good call out. I'm thinking too, when you were saying that, like if we can think about like, just thinking again about what's going on in the world, but like innovation when it comes to groups and communities, like we're like, whether it's people grant banding together, organizations banding together, or cities, nation states banding together in a different kind of way, right? Mm-hmm. In an mm-hmm. innovative way to solve existing problems that are not being solved by the traditional Capricornian, you know, route forward. Yeah. Yeah, it's just Capricorn's so patriarchy, you know, and so this Aquarius is just, I don't know. I'm excited about that. I think that's something definitely to look forward to. All right. So let's shift gears a little bit and let's talk about some other planets besides now, Venus. Why? 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 Well, because it's fun. And, <laughs> uh, you know, it's also, you love talking about this. I think it's because Stephanie, um, you know, not to give away any secrets, birthday girl, but Stephanie's a Pisces. 
<laughs> and we have, you know, Jupiter and Neptune are building up to this conjunction, both in the sign of Pisces. Now, that's going to be happening in April. We'll talk all about that next month. But we've got some aspects in there um, with um, both Jupiter and with Neptune in that Pisces energy. And that's really kind of starting to, like I said, build up to this, this conjunction. So let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. So in March, we have both the sun visiting Jupiter and visiting Neptune. And then later on, we have Mercury, the messenger planet, visiting Jupiter and visiting Neptune. So that's actually really interesting, right? If we think about Jupiter and Jupiter being really expansive, and we'll go Virgo in a second and give you the dates, but first we're going to be like conceptual <laughs> and like nuanced and being very Piscean. Um, you know, Jupiter makes everything, it's a sense of largesse and expansion and more and more and more and why not? And where else can I go? You know, and so there is that sense of boy. I mean, we can look at it one sense, one sense of like, ooh, there's more possibility, right? And how do I expand my horizons of how I shine when it's with the sun mm. or how I, things I could learn or things I can communicate when it's with Mercury. Now, of course, we may want to go bigger and so may other people, right? So there it can also be that sense of like unbridledness we always have to watch out for with Jupiter, like, you know, and an unbridledness that pushes limits that maybe shouldn't be pushed. So mm. that's my thought about Jupiter. Do you want to start with, say yeah, something about that and then do Neptune? Yeah, yeah. And when you're talking about Jupiter, it, you know, it's like you're saying it expands whatever it touches. And so we're talking about you know, these very Piscean themes, right? And so, and Jupiter, you know, was the original planet, ruling planet for Pisces before Neptune came along and stole the show. But I think about those Piscean themes and I think about, like you talked about compassion and the imagination and, you know, our divinity and creativity. And, you know, it's that very watery, soulful, dreamy kind of Piscean energy. And so, I think that will be really lovely to swim in those waters. But you're, as you're talking about with Jupiter, there's always that caveat of too much. And so I think we've got to be careful there about those rose-colored Pisces glasses, about wishful thinking or getting caught up in illusion and what's real and what's not real, that kind of thing. Oh my God, so glad you brought that up, right? Because that's also that shadow element. And then you bring in Neptune and there may be more right. of that, which is also, you know, people yourself, or let's say other people, because we all don't do this ourselves, but saying things and they're like, just trying to like spin a situation and, you know, make you think that something is real, like sort of that whole, the fog, right? Or the cloud <laughs> and to be like very to be really like, okay, this is maybe what I want or what they want, but is it true? Yeah. Like, is yeah. this really true? And to be very, not to not be in the dream and the possibility mm. and that sort of sense of the sweetness of that wave, but then also to balance that with, wait a minute, feet on the ground or boots on the ground. Is this real? Is this yeah. really happening? Or can this really happen? Or is it just this like illusion or this fantasy? So mm -hmm. like finding that right balance of illusion mm. or imagination or, or even fantasy that's constructive and and, and beautiful and kind rather than how it can go into like more sort of 
negative, right? Or sort of yeah. nefarious ways, if you will, and take us out of our game. Yeah, I think that's always kind of the trick, if you will, with that Pisces energy is about finding that balance between that beautiful, expansive realm where anything is possible and having boundaries and staying grounded in order to really manifest it and to make it real. You know, I think that, you know, this is a wonderful time to expand our horizons, but I also think we've got to be careful about our boundaries at the same time. Thousand percent. It's actually funny. The last few weeks, I've been saying that a lot. A thousand percent. And now that we're talking, I'm <laughs> like, so am I am I already <laughs> feeling the Jupiter? Like a thousand. Like what happened to a hundred percent? Like like a thousand percent. A thousand bigger, percent. bigger, exactly. more percent. Month, yeah, next month there'll be a billion percent. Right? <laughs> she's, she's expanding <laughs> along along with, with, with Jupiter. Okay, I actually have the dates here, Stephanie. Super. Oh. And then yeah, and then tell the dates, and then let's like let's even do a little more nuance. Like, well, what happens when the sun? is with Neptune and Mercury. Like what's okay. the upside and what do we have to watch for? Okay. Let's talk about that. So the sun joins Jupiter on the fifth. Uh, the sun joins Neptune on the 13th of the month. Mercury joins Jupiter on the 21st and Neptune joins Mercury on the 25th. So Tw- those uh, 20, are- 23rd. 23rd. Okay. Excuse me. On the 23rd. Okay. So unpack that a little bit, Stephanie. Oh me? <laughs> Wait, yeah, yeah, why not? You're like, what's like, what should I ask for? Okay, so um, when it's with Neptune, right? The Sun with Neptune. I mean, it's sort of more of the same, but just to like give that more voice. Like the Sun with Neptune could also be that sense of just dreamy. I mean, the great possibility is that sense of expansion of love, the expansion of the mm. boundarylessness, right? Mm. So that there is that greater sense of 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 openness and unity, mm. right? And like coming from that poetic, that, you know, connecting to the muse and feeling the muse inside of you. And that's what's making you radiate the sun. Mm. Um, yet, of course, you want to watch for, which is also very Jupiter, like hyperinflation or just disappearing too much. I think that's mm. the thing is like, when is disappearing good? When it's like, okay, it's not about me and I'm going to put my ego to the side a little bit because I care about you. But when you like completely like let the ego go, that's also not that good, right? Like that's right, yeah, no. And then the Mercury Neptune could also be that sense. I mean, I would say on that Mercury Neptune day, it's like read poetry, write poetry, paint, <laughs> like you know, just walk by the water, daydream, keep your dream mm. journal, like you know, play music, just like bring in information and insights that just like touch and move and inspire you mm. and also watch for people giving you messages that sort of have slipperiness if you will you know, like double meanings and you know Great. look behind the scenes i love that you're talking about just this whole poetic you know creative notion of the, of these aspects as well and you know as you're talking i just like Right, right. Poetry, paint. I just imagine myself in like some great uh, European museum looking at Matisse and impressionistic paintings. I mean, doesn't that just feel like just like Mercury, Jupiter, Pisces, Neptune all in there? So really a wonderfully, you know, expansive time. I, I think that's going to be really great. And also just watch out for, you know, you know, going over, <laughs> going off the deep end a little bit. Completely. Yeah. Going overboard and like falling into the sea. 
falling into the sea and drowning. And of course, we'll talk more about Jupiter and Neptune joining up in Pisces uh, next month, because that'll be part of the big story. Okay, so should we do the, the moons for the month? Let's talk a little bit, of course, about the new moon and the full moon. So the new moon, which is in the sign of Pisces, on March the 2nd, also has this very Uranian influence. Like, so the new moon in Pisces, we've talked all about Pisces, new moon, new beginnings, but let's bring Uranus in there because Uranus is a bit of a wild card and could definitely shake things up a bit. That's an understatement. (laughs) (laughs) That's a Jupiterian understatement. (laughs) Yeah, so the new moon, um, the Uranus makes like a sweet sextile to Uranus, which doesn't necessarily, like it's easy, but doesn't mean like good, right? It's just like that Uranus energy is just like right there for the taking. And Uranus always like, I would say bags, it doesn't bag. You know, Uranus um, invites us there you to go. like, that's a better word. <laughs> inspires, bag, inspires. Please, please, please. Um, us to take a different tact, right? Go on a detour, like be flexible and adaptive to pivot, be innovative. You know, don't necessarily just be so rigid in terms of your go-to or your road. Know that there's another option, that there's another path. And, you know, at the same time, like watch out for surprises and also see how surprises, even you being surprised, are illuminating and break you out of rigidity. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think the word inspire is really a great word there. You know, just be open to those big inspirations. I love it. Right? Especially with that Pisces energy. And then, of course, full moon. um, And we have the full moon in Virgo on March the 18th. There's some of that Virgo energy. Thank God. I feel like I think we'll be really happy for that. I know. We've just like, I feel like we're just so out there, Pisces land. Um, And this new moon, this, excuse me, full moon has a Pluto influence, just like the new moon had a Uranus Uranus influence. Um, We've got a sun Pluto sextile. So this brings in that deeper, transformative Pluto energies. So it's in the sign of Virgo. So that's going to be interesting. Talk to me a little bit about that. Well, I think, too, I mean, that might be helpful in a way because we're like going to be so floating, you know, I mean, besides some of the Venus Mars stuff, but the rest of like, it's all very sort of floating and like undiscernible and like so subtle, right? And the translucence (laughs) and that's beautiful, but we also may get lost in that. So Virgo Mm -hmm. says, wait, like, where are the pieces? Like, look at the piece (laughs) parts, like pay attention to the details, like create a system, like maybe to like yeah, we tap into the numinous and then it's okay. Well, how can we have a, a relationship with it? That's practical, mm-hmm. right? It like it's, there's a grounding, like it connects mm-hmm. you to the earth. And I think that that might be helpful, like an anchor. Yeah. There's like an anchoring there. So I, I yeah. like that. Yeah, what, about you? I think what, do you, what do you think? No, I love that. And I I love that you're bringing up that this could be like some nice, like grounding energy, you know, to really kind of connect into the roots and, you know, the devils and the details. So this is that moment where if you need to, you know, dot an I and cross a T and, or, you know, I'm thinking of all those, you know, mundane Virgo things like clean out your closet, you know, organize your paperwork, all of that kind of stuff. That might be a really good day for it. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, and then of course we, we do have uh, the equinox on the 20th. That's also the day that sun 
uh, the sun enters into Aries. So, you know, about that time, we're going to start getting into or feeling that fiery vibration of Aries and of course the equinox new beginnings springing forward. So that's also going to be a bit of an energetic shift as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We go into that like desire and fire and like, let's go. Right. As opposed to the sort of like, I'm just really happy lying on my back in the middle of this pool. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, Aries yeah. is like, come on, let's go. There's a party or there's something to do. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that also with that, you know, with the equinox and, you know, the sun going into Aries, that also inspired the tarot card for the month. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Of course I do. It's like, (laughs) like, what do you mean? But at first I was like, wait, do I have? No, you talk a little bit about that or a lot about that. Like I felt it. That's, wait a minute. That's my job, right? Yes. Please share with us about that. I'm really excited because I think this is such a good one. It's going to be so helpful. Yes. So the tarot card we chose for um, March is actually the emperor card. And that's part of our segue with that um, Aries energy because the emperor is ruled by Aries. And of course, the emperor comes to mind because he's the leader. And, you know, when the, when the emperor is in balance, he's this benevolent leader and, you know, he's compassionate and he has the greater good of all the kingdom and, and humankind, you know, in mind. But when the emperor is out of balance, he becomes the out of balance warrior and the dictator and power for the sake of power. And so, you know, I thought, wow, you know, this, this, there's some synchronicity here with the emperor card. And like what you've talked about or what you brought up before, Stephanie, is what can we do with these energies? And ultimately, the emperor is about power and empowerment. And, you know, with power comes responsibility. With power comes leadership. And to really look at, you know, how am I wielding my personal power in the world? What am I doing with it? Am I doing it, you know, with mindfulness and with the greater good in mind? Or am I doing it from that fiery, sometimes out of bounds, Aries ego structure of like, I want it and I need this and I'm, I'm just going to get what I want. And so ultimately it's this real opportunity to really dig in and take responsibility for your power. And when you do that, it just becomes like power can become this really beautiful tool in the world when it's in balance and when it's with compassion and it's when it's with the greater good in mind. And so that's the emperor card. And I think he's just a really beautiful archetype for, for March. I mean, I think that that's like the perfect, the perfect, something that we all need to connect to. And tell me if this is wrong. Um, but like, it seems like with the tarot, right. of, Of these 78, right. Like archetypes that we, can universally connect to, Mm -hmm. that it's something for us to understand each and every one of them. And, you know, right now, this notion of emperor is very Mm -hmm. heightened in our consciousness. And so to like further understand, like, what is that? What is that a manifestation of, you know, to be able to get to that or to see that, like you say, like within ourselves feels like important and important empowering and I don't know I'm just thinking saying this personally like may give me more solace right because I'm also like I'm understanding that and then I'm also like okay but well where if I'm seeing that outside of me where is that in me and what's my relationship to that emperor in me and 
Yeah. Maybe there's that collective healing if we all sort of take back the like, I, I hate to say good and bad, right? But that like that higher level, the constructive level of the emperor within ourselves so we don't project it outward. Yeah. And that's to me, the beauty of these archetypes, you know, wherever you find them. And, you know, me, I love the tro. And, you know, another way of looking at the emperor too is around sovereignty, personal sovereignty Mm -hmm. and that agency, you know, and if once you really step into your own agency and that, that sense of sovereignty, there's no need really to conquer or, you know, take over or take power away from anybody else because you're sovereign within yourself. And I think that ultimately that is the real goal. That's the real goal. Yeah. Oh my God. That to me, those are like final beautiful words for us to like be with <laughs> okay. there. We can't do any better than that, right? No, That's that a wrap, perfect. right, Steph? Right? That's a wrap. Oh my gosh. Hey, so we love hearing from you. So we're just going to remind you that you can um, connect with us at sodivine.us, shoot us an email. Um, also, you can connect with me at meganskinner.com. I do have an exciting class this month. It's called Megan's Guide to the Couture Tarot, where I'm going to talk about my process of creating the deck from collage art and explore some of my favorite cards. So check that out at meganskinner.com. And I know that Steph Stephanie has a book that's come out. So do you want to give a little shout out for your book? Yeah. First, I'm really excited about your class. That sounds Thank amazing. you. It's going to be great. Um, so you can reach me. I'm at stephaniegaling.com or stephanie underscore galing on Instagram. Yes. And I had one of my books just came out earlier in February called The Astrological Self-Care Journal that gives you prompts to work through the whole year, all the full moons and the new moons and the retrogrades and the planetary stations, all of the above. And um, I don't have any events right now scheduled for April because I'm back at work working on a new project. So um, I'm working on an Oracle deck that's based on astrology. So I'm really excited about that. So I'm like in creative zone on that level again. So that is that. And should we once again express our deep gratitude to all of you and to our producers, Sebastiano Tecchio and Nick Petri, we could not do this without the two of you. And I also want to express my deep gratitude to you, my dearest friend, Megan. And right back at you, Stephanie. Um, You are so divine. And have a marvelous march, everybody. Mm